Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Vinicius muy cerrado, Vinicius intentando encontrar la manera de desatascar, ¡Gol! Para Araujo se va de Vinicius, como Pedro por su casa, balón que queda muerto, Rafinha chuta, muerto Lewandowski le pega gol, gol, gol de Sergi Roberto, y gol del Barça, marca Sergi Roberto. Encuentra Valde dentro del área, peligro, la juega atrás. Welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Rudy Barlow. I'm joined by Tom Harris. We've just come off the back of a thrilling El Clasico. It finished 2-1 to Barcelona, who put themselves 12 points clear at the top of the La Liga table with 12, point, 12 games to go. Tom, initial reactions. This is a big result for Barcelona. It could be a significant result for Carlo Ancelotti, more than Real Madrid even. Yeah, your initial thoughts on this one? Yeah, season-defining, I think. Uh, feels to me that there's no way back now for Real Madrid. You know, they were going to claw this advantage back. The kind of psychological blow of a big win at Camp Nou would have been the thing to to catalyse that, and, and it hasn't happened. And if anything, the fact that they took the lead, or they thought they took the lead in the dying moments with Marcos Asensio, only for that to be disallowed and then actually lose the game in the dying seconds, that is a hammer blow. So, yeah. Season over for me, but what a great game it was. Yeah, it was a fantastic game. We'll go back through it because it did have a lot of phases and it felt like even though I think many people gave Barcelona kind of a little bit more of the game, there were different sort of, yeah, sequences where you thought that one team was on top, one team might go in front. Real Madrid obviously took the lead through Vinicius with that deflected goal off Ronald Araujo. Um, as you were saying on the on the track, he's finally kind of got the better of Ronald Araujo there. And uh, and yeah, Real Madrid were kind of, they came at the blocks pretty slowly. They had, Courtois made some good saves, but uh, Vinicius put them ahead and you sort of thought that this was in Real Madrid's favour because I thought after that they had 20 to 30 kind of really good minutes um, ahead of in the face of Barcelona's high press. Yeah, Barcelona struggled, I thought, in the first half to really gain control of the game. We know what they're like with that box midfield, those four ball-retaining midfielders who normally do really well, but... It was quite an open game, I thought, for the first 30, 35 minutes. And 
I think Real Madrid have the advantage when it is open. You know, you know they, they thrive off chaos, really, and they thrive on kind of gaining those small advantages on the transition and winning those individual duels. And I think they managed to break up Barcelona's play and, and make it more about individual duels than, you know, the system battle. And once Barcelona got back into their stride, I think, I think towards the start of the second half, they really started to pass the ball about in the midfield. And I think Gavi, you know, played a big part in Sergio Busquets in kind of regaining that control. I think that's where Barcelona started to come back into it. But yeah, it did look for a while that Real Madrid were going to go and, and win this game. And Vinicius, as we said, he, he kind of instigated the first goal. He did get the better of Araujo a couple of times as well, kind of took him to the byline and got inside. Yeah, it's a very, very even game. And I think Real Madrid will be really, really disappointed to lose. It's not like they deserve to lose. They, you know, Barcelona didn't necessarily deserve to win either. But in these kind of games, the scoreline matters. That, that's that's the end of it. Yeah, I think uh, it was interesting. That I think a lot of Real Madrid's plan was more just to kind of get enough people around Vinicius that either Araujo would have to sort of doubt himself and go towards somebody else or that Vinicius would have a bit more space to work with. And it is different... But you think back to that Copa Clasico, the first leg, that they had about 30, 40 yards more to play with here, Real Madrid, because Barcelona did press high. And that kind of worked to their advantage in the sense that you had, towards the end of the first half, they had that five-minute spell where Sergio Roberto gets the goal, but that comes from that consistent pressure. And then the second half, as you say, they came out, they dominated the ball well for that kind of first 15, 60, 20 minutes of the second half as well, and really set the game in their favour, I thought, whereas if Real Madrid had got control at that point, then it might have uh, turned the game in a different direction. And then enter Rodrigo Goic, because as much as Carlo Ancelotti is going to come in for a lot of criticism this game, you can look at it in two ways. Either he changed the game on its head in Real Madrid, it kind of swung in their favour with Rodrigo on the field, or should Rodrigo have been on earlier? How did you kind of see that, Tom? Yeah, I think he added a bit of drive to, to Real Madrid's attack. And um, I mean, Rodrigo's actually going through a bit of a horrible goal-scoring drought in La Liga. I think he's taken well over 40 shots since his last goal and he's he's really, really struggling. And he did have a good chance, actually. Edge of the box just kind of flashed it over the bar and that was a good opportunity for, for a player of his standards. But yeah, I think Real Madrid perhaps were, you know, Carlo Ancelotti's got a lot of substitutions right, particularly over the last couple of seasons. I think potentially it was a little bit late that he, he kind of brought on the attacking cavalry and, you know, for that first half, it did kind of feel like it was Karim Benzema and Vinicius Jr., as the two outlets at all times. And, you know, Valverde was obviously up with them, but it felt like his job was more to be in the midfield and, and really trying to dominate that midfield battle rather than getting up to support those two. So I think when Real Madrid could, you know, sense a tide turning their way, they could have pounced, you know, a bit more with a bit more conviction. But one of those things, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And Carlo Ancelotti, like you say, he, he's been there and he's done it many times, but this feels like, yeah, the end of, of, of Real Madrid's title charge. Yeah, and in those closing phases, obviously Real Madrid turned up the pressure. Barcelona withheld it pretty well. And then Marco Asensio gets that goal. It's disallowed for offside. And you have that 10-minute swing where Frank Kessier then uh, fires in the, the cross from Balde, I believe. And it was a brilliant back heel from Lewandowski to set him up as well. Angelotti, after the match, he said that today we deserve more he said that today they could have no doubts about their game that they played a good match and that they were this close to winning it kind of thing and that he also had doubts about the offside goal in the bar what do you make of those comments Tom because I think a lot of people are going to see that and think that perhaps that he is uh, shading things perhaps in Real Madrid's favour and that's that analysis of the match 
Yeah, and don't completely agree with that. I think the offside was offside. Um, but you know, with the VAR, we we just have to trust them blindly. It did look offside, but but we just don't know. But yeah, no, I thought Barcelona deserved to win the game. Kind of, you know, if we're going to pick a winner between the two, I think Barcelona just shaded it. I don't think Real Madrid were you know the dominant side in this game by any stretch of the imagination. So I think Carlo Ancelotti is perhaps exaggerating slightly there and trying to defend his team a little bit off the back of you know a big psychological blow, as we were just saying. But yeah, I mean, Frank Kessie, I mean, he, he scored 19 goals across the last two seasons in Serie A. And, and this is his first La Liga goal now for Barcelona. So shows what they have in their armoury. And, you know, when things aren't going well, obviously Pedri injured, Usman Dembele injured. And, you know, Sergio Roberto can come into this midfield. Frank Kessie can come into this midfield. And, you know, they have goals from everywhere. So that was ultimately the difference today. Real Madrid, as we said, I don't think really Modric, Kroos, Camavinga, even many when he came on, really got into enough goal-scoring positions from midfield. As we said before, it was really only Benzema and Vinicius. So I think perhaps the difference was that that kind of goal-scoring Yagada from midfield in the end. Indeed, and just finishing up on Real Madrid and kind of their side of things, they obviously have the second leg of this Copa semi-final coming up at Camp Now. Vinicius, so once again, he, he got away a couple of times and Rodrigo had a shot from outside the box. Benzema also had a shot from outside of the box, but neither of them really troubled Marc-Andre Ter Stegen too much. Modric and Kroos, as you say, they played out well. And I thought they played out well in the first half, but I thought they did a decent enough job getting out of the Barcelona press at times. But then you look into that second half and neither of them were really a massive influence. I didn't think that Ceballos really managed to, to change things much either. How, how much of a problem is this going into the second half? That Real Madrid now for 270 minutes, with the exception of the disallowed Asensio goal in today's match and then also the Asensio goal in the Supercopa final haven't really troubled Marc-Andre Stegen's goal. How much of an issue is that? Yeah, it's, it's not great, especially if you're a fan of Real Madrid and you know you have to put up with the Barcelona stick that you're inevitably going to get. It's, it, it's <laughs> difficult. I mean, it's, with Real Madrid, you know, we, we've spoken so much about, as we have with Barcelona, how different they seem to be in different competitions. You know, Barcelona, they've still only conceded one goal, well, two goals now at Camp Nou, but it was an own goal, so one goal from an opposition player at Camp Nou. Real Madrid, we saw what they did to Liverpool in the Champions League and they come back to La Liga and they're just, you know, they're just not clicking in the same way. So, concerning, but Real Madrid's season isn't completely dead and buried because obviously they're still in the Champions League and when Real Madrid are in the final, final eight teams, they're really in with a shout, so... Concerning, but they still have a lot to play for. And, and you know, if, if anybody's going to pull something out of the bag, it, it's Real Madrid. And moving on to the Barcelona side of things, I think this is a pretty massive win psychologically for Barcelona. I think the point would have been would have been good, obviously. And I think they would have felt come away from that feeling like they had done their job and that they were still in a strong position for La Liga. But getting that win is psychologically the the sort of outbursting of emotion. This is a side that, remember, has not won a league in three years. It's a side that has constantly been doubted in the big games. It's constantly had those kind of doubts, and we're still seeing those effects in Europe. But this is now quite a few matches in a row that they've showed up in El Clasico. And, I, yeah, personally, I want to pay a bit of tribute to Sergio Roberto, who gets a lot of stick in, in Xavi's words. He's the player for Barcelona that's uh, taken more unfair stick than anyone he can remember in his career and he's been around long enough to to see that. Kessier obviously as you mentioned, big goal for him and, and sort of starting to justify his place in the Barcelona squad and Xavi just after the match as well he said that yeah okay I mean it, some people perhaps saying well this is just kind of the 
they're smoothing over this league title and that's them kind of done now. Xavi was saying that they have to remember that they were 12 points behind Real Madrid at kind of this stage last season. So it is a pretty significant turnaround and for Barcelona, this has got to feel pretty good, hasn't it, Tom? Yeah, 100%. I, I, I completely agree with you about Sergio Roberto. He's, he's, he's had a lot of stick over the years, but he's Barcelona through and through. He's stayed at the club, you know, even when his kind of preferred midfield position has been taken up by some players that he's he's not going to get in ahead of. <laughs> like, yes, the Xavi, Sergio Busquets, all of his plays, he's stuck at it. He stayed there. He's had his little stint in midfield and, he, and he's enjoyed it. I think that's his fourth goal of the season now. A big, big one in the Clásico to to put his side back on level terms, and yeah, it's it's a really feel good factor. You've got to say for Barcelona, they've obviously they they went out of Europe in disappointing circumstances, but the priority always was La Liga at the start of the season. The kind of economic impact of winning La Liga is, is you know first and foremost that's what they need to do, and it and it looks like they're well on the way to doing it. Yep, and just looking forward into that Copa tie. Barcelona will feel pretty confident about themselves knowing that they have a goal lead in that as well. Do you see Real Madrid being able to overturn that? Or, or do we think Barcelona are just psychologically so in control of this Clasico now? Because that, as we're saying, I think that's what their last three Clasicos in a row that they've won. And now they're starting to do it without Dembele and Pedri, which is something that was almost unthinkable at the start of the season. Yeah, psychologically it's Barcelona's to lose, but... You know, I think today what I took away from it is that even though Barcelona have dominated the Clásico, you know, relatively speaking, in the last couple of occasions, it's still a very even game. Um, you know, Real Madrid could have come away with, with three points from this game and nobody would have really said it was massively unfair. It was competitive um, and, you know, there is a one-goal advantage for Barcelona, but we've seen that, you know, Barcelona aren't miles ahead of Real Madrid just yet. You know, Real Madrid can come back and win this Copa tie. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how, how the matchup changes with the presence of Dembele and Pedri back in the lineup. And But yeah, as you're saying, if, if Real Madrid fans want a silver lining, if they want a little bit of hope ahead of that Copa tie, you've, if you do manage to free up one of Modric or Benzema or even Valverde, who, credit to Ale Valde, who basically has Valverde going backwards in these classicals at the minute. But if Carlo Ancelotti can find a way to, to get the best out of one of those three players, then that could make the difference again for Real Madrid and it's not beyond the question that this could have tipped in their favour either, just inches away from doing so. We've got two more games we're going to get to just before the break because we do have uh, quite a lot of action to get through in this La Liga uh, weekend. We'll come on to two more teams that are done pretty well. Quickly, Celta, 3-1 over Espanyol. Are they into the European race, Tom? Because they're not far off it. I hope so, because I'm really enjoying watching this Celta side at the moment. And and the transformation under Carlos Carvalhal has been absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, they were going from, they had averaging about 1.0 expected goals per game and out to 1.45 per game. So that is a massive jump over per 90 minutes. And seven out of their last eight goals now, excluding all goals, have been scored or assisted by either Gabriel Vega or Iago Aspas. And they're both brilliant. Um, both obviously Sam... Vigo born more or less. It's really, really, really nice to see. And yeah, they were absolutely excellent. They absolutely outclassed Espanyol. Didn't ever look in danger of losing this game. And the transformation, as we've just said, from defensive, you know, they were very unstable under Kudet and they're very, very solid now. So it's, it's really, really great to see. And the confidence is absolutely coursing through that team. They're two points off Athletic in seventh. And so if Athletic um, or... If, if Barcelona or Real Madrid sorry, do win the Copa del Rey, then they would be in very much in that race for the Conference League spot. And 
Yeah, seven points to Villarreal. We'll come on to the rest of the European race in the second half of the show, so don't go anywhere. We've also got the relegation battle to to deal with. And Atleti, 3-0 against Valencia. And I, I was at the match Paul for this. Mario Hermoso popped up in the box, springing one-twos. Memphis Depay should have scored the goal. Atleti are playing good football. And they're probably, I mean, Barcelona picked up more points in the last two months. But I'd say they're the team playing the best football in La Liga right now. Yeah, there's that viral clip of that kind of, yeah, that those one-twos in the box and that chance for Memphis Depay, which he couldn't quite put away, would have probably been one of the goals of the season. But yeah, that's seven wins and two draws in their last nine La Liga games, 18 scored, three conceded. So they're, you know, they're winning convincingly these games and Valencia didn't have a chance. Antoine Griezmann absolutely on fire. Yeah, he's looking really good. And, you know, we, I mentioned kind of back in, in January when we were talking about João Felix leaving and, and all of this that, the mood has seemed a bit more together, I think, uh, at Atletico Madrid and Diego Simeone, and there seems to be a bit more of a common goal in 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 mind now. And it's not all about Joao Felix every week now. It's about Atletico Madrid. It's about winning games, and you, you can definitely see that they're they're really together and really going to make the most of the the rest of the season. Cookie said as much as well that without the sort of Frente Atletico, who are a controversial fan group, but their sort of silent protest has been ongoing for quite some some months now, and they were back in the game. He said it, he said during the week that it was a cold feeling at the Metropolitano, that it felt as if they weren't playing at home. They were back, and you could really feel the, the communion again between Atleti and their fans, and that was kind of a big part, I think, of, of what we're starting to see is a really good atmosphere developing there. As you say, the confidence is flowing through their veins. I had mentioned my kind of doubts about just how, not necessarily how together they were, but how cohesive they were being on the pitch um, when we had that discussion. And now I, I have to completely roll back on my words because I think even though Memphis is not necessarily taking all the chances that he should, even though I don't think they have necessarily a defined lineup beyond some key elements like Griezmann, like Koke, um, I think Noel, Noel Molina has now established himself. Mario Armoso has established himself again. There's still sort of enough kind of cohesion and enough kind of movement in the same direction that Alvaro Morata can come off the bench and sort of turn a defender inside out, lay off an assist for Thomas Lamar. And it's, there's no real drama about the fact that Morata has been on the bench. He seems to be pretty content almost with his role. And, and maybe that's the wrong word, but... It does speak to just how much of a, a union Simeone has on the side again. And uh, and yeah, they're looking very much good for, for third place. And they're only five points off Real Madrid. So I don't know if you have any further thoughts on them, Tom. Yeah, just to pick up on Memphis Depay, I think he's been a great signing. I mean, he missed two big chances in this game and he even went on Twitter and said that he needs to work on his finishing. But he's getting into those positions. He, he's that fixed kind of reference point, you know, between the two centre-backs and he's causing all sorts of problems and getting into those shooting positions. So, big fan of his signing. And like you say, Atletico Madrid have always had a very talented squad. They've not always been able to get the best out of it. And I think now they're kind of clicking into gear. I would say just at the right time because it's the kind of a season, but they're too far off from, from Barcelona to, to, be, to be posing a title challenge. Yes, indeed. And just a, a word on Valencia, who were very, very passive in this game. And away from Messiah, it does seem like they need a little bit more from people Baraja to, to inspire them to results. And they've slipped into the relegation zone again with Hitafe's victory, a massive victory that we will come on to in the second half of the show. So don't go anywhere because we're going to take just a very teensy break and we'll be back right with you then.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Welcome back to the La Liga Loren podcast. It's part two. I'm Rudy Barlow. It's Tom Hallis with you. And we're jumping onto the relegation battle. It's the best relegation battle in the top five leagues. I don't think there's any doubt about it for my money. We've got, let me just count up. We've got nine, eight sides within six points of each other. And it's really tightening up. Sevilla with a massive defeat to Hitafe with a massive victory for them. Munir El Hadari scoring the first of them. Enesunel putting the uh, cherry on top of the cake with a 95th minute uh, goal to sort of ice that game for them. Munir had missed a, a very good chance in the first half, but we were speaking a couple of weeks ago about kind of San Paoli and what kind of pressure he's under at Sevilla. He did beat Almeria, he did beat Fenerbahce, but this defeat kind of puts the pressure on him again. And now with a, a two-week break for Sevilla fans to stew over this, uh, yeah, it's not looking good for Sevilla. But uh, Hatafi with a big victory, Tom. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, just looking forward, Sevilla in the next couple of games after the international break, they have Cadiz away, then they play bang in form Celta at home, then Valencia away. So that's, you know, two sides really in that relegation scrap with them, you know, alongside games against Manchester United as well in, in the Europa League. And if we're looking, they haven't won an away game since October. That was when they beat Mallorca by one goal to nil and Goodell scored a 35-yard screamer and they actually only generated 0.18 XG that game and Mallorca 1.4. So they probably shouldn't have won that game. So they're really poor away from home and they've got two big, big games away from home. So it, it's it, it's looking really, really difficult for them. And I thought they turned the corner when Yusuf Enizidi started bagging the goals that he's, you know, he started kind of transferred that World Cup form. But... It's it's really, really not looking good. And this defeat was was a big one because Hetafe are probably, for my money, one of the teams who more most likely to go down in terms of their form and how they're playing. But really, really big confidence-boosting confidence boosting win for them and a clean sheet as well. And yeah, Enezunal now has 48% of Hetafe's goals this season. Uh, eight goals in his last six games. He's, he's absolutely massive for them. And 
I think only uh, Enzola Spezia in Italy has a high portion of, of goals for their team. So really, really important. And I don't know why they'd be without him. Perfect stats there, Tom. It does lift, Heta lift Hetafe above Sevilla onto 29 points. Sevilla are two points clear of the drop zone, which does feature Valencia on 26. Coming on to the side below Valencia is Almeria, who've dropped in. They secured a 95th minute, or was it 97th minute equaliser against Cadiz at home, who, who were leading for, for much of the second half. And... It's a it's a good point for Almeida to pick up given the situation, but things are looking a bit grim there. And uh, Cadiz again with a late late goal that they've conceded, Tom. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, they conceded in the 106th minute last week. They're now in the 97th minute this week. They've also conceded in the 102nd minute back in October when they when they played Girona, and all of those have been game changing penalties. So, bit of a bit of a sickener for for Cadiz, especially because if they would have held on. They would have won, and the five sides below them would have lost. So that would have been a really, really big jump for them. But yeah, Almeria, they've been quite poor since that 1-0 win over Barcelona. Just one win in seven. Uh, I think Adrian Imbarba was probably the brightest spark in this game. But other than that, it, it's not looking fantastic for Almeria. They're reliant on that home form and, and didn't manage to get the win this time. And obviously, like you said, they were behind for a lot of the game. So yeah, they need to pick up on, on the road and yeah, it's, it's not looking fantastic for them, but they do have El Bilal Torre hopefully to come back after the international break and I think he's a big part of them pushing on and, and, and keeping it in the division. Yeah, obviously that home record and the away record are so vastly different for Almeria. Do you think there's any chance, I mean, this is Caddy who said that Almeria would have hoped to beat at home, they probably have the resources to beat them at home too, do you think there's any chance that Ruby's under pressure for this job? I mean, this is kind of maybe the last big chance that most teams have to sack their manager if they want to bring someone in and give them a bit of time to kind of bed their ideas in ahead of kind of, well, yeah, this international break. Any chance that Ruby goes or do you think that both him and, and even Sampaoli, as I was saying, are safe until to the end of the season? It's a difficult one. I mean, I'm just looking at the Almeria fixtures now. So they travel away to Celta Vigo, which is very, very tough considering they've only won three points on the road all season and Celta Vigo are in such good form. And then they host Valencia. So that seems to me to be the crunch match. And if, if Ruby can't win that game and they lose to Celta, I think it could be all over for him. It's, it's a shame because we've seen Almeria play some good football this season. But yeah, in that relegation fight, it's, it's brutal. And like you say, they've only won one of their last seven games. It's starting to get a bit desperate. It certainly is, and let's saute at the bottom there that you do not want to be cut adrift, as as our good friends Elche are coming on to kind of the European European race. Lareal got an important victory against Elche today. Takekubo opened the scoring, and it and it finished for them two 0 Lareal asserting themselves in the top four again. A, a, Important result, for, I think, for them off the back of their European exits and uh, keeping pace with the rest of the European challengers who who also won this weekend. Yeah, really big. And, and as we were saying with Barcelona before, I think this was a kind of win to reinstate the feel-good factor because it had kind of dropped off a little bit at La Real. But you know, we had David Silva with his 900th um, career game. He, he was absolutely amazing. I mean, there was an amazing dummy and pass to set up Kubo across for Alexander Solo. He slid the ball through to Kubo for his goal. I think he hit six key passes. He hit the post. He was he was just absolutely brilliant. And he you know he's 37 years old and he was just absolutely ran the show. So that was really really nice to see. And yeah, 
like you say, they're expected to win this game against Elche, who, you know, if you look now, they're on 13 points there. They're 14 points from safety, so they should be winning this game. But it was good to get back on the road. And, yeah, Baron Echea as well with a goal, who, we've you know, he's, he's a young player who's been out injured for a long time. Nice to see him get back on the score sheet. I think it was a nice, easy one for Real Sociedad just before the international break to get back in, in into the swing of things, and they took the opportunity really well. Definitely, definitely. And moving on to your area of expertise, Osasuna went down 3-0 at home, which is a pretty big defeat at El Sadar. Uh, but more importantly, a, a large win for Kike Setien and Villarreal, who obviously went out of the Conference League on, on Thursday night to Andalus. A big surprise there, a big shock. But this kind of, uh, it gives a, <laughs> it goes into the international break for Villarreal with a bit of a positive note following some tricky weeks. Yeah, I'm afraid I no longer understand the NAL because I was not expecting <laughs> this game at all, and then they won it by three goals to nil. So just incredible. They're they're actually the biggest underperformers in terms of XG this season. Um, we saw that against Anderlecht when they, you know, they had nearly three XG and 23 shots. They lost by one goal to nil. And today they probably didn't massively have that many chances, but they were just absolutely clinical when they got them. And you know, that goal from El Comandante Morales from the halfway line absolutely just pounced on a mistake. And, you know, it was in the back of the net before Osasuna could could even react. So uncharacteristically kind of lethal from, from Villarreal today, but but they will take that. Um, and yeah, they need to use this as a springboard because to go to El Salar and win comfortably like that, I'm sure that's the first time in a long, long time, perhaps since uh, Valencia won by four goals to one, I think, last season that a team have won by so many goals there so that's a big result for them big confidence booster and yeah it gets gets Osasuna kind of pushes them a bit further down in this race as well so a kind of win-win for Villarreal yeah Gerard Moneno did come off with with an injury again which is the the sour note for Villarreal but if they can now that they've got those kind of midweeks free as well if they can put together a run of the results I think seven points off Lareal or Lareal that are not yeah, bang in form, then there's certainly a hint of hope for them and, and Setien to to overcome them. Betis, who are ahead of them, four points ahead of them, just three points off Lareal, round out another 1-0 win over Mallorca here at home. I think I don't think this one will go down in the memory of many too long, but uh, they did get the three points here. Athletic Club did beat Valladolid 3-1 away from home. They kind of ended their tricky run of form and uh, an important confidence boost for Valverde's men. Anything that you want to pick out from those two? Yeah, I mean, um, Real Betis ruined my start last weekend when they only drew 1-1 with Villarreal. But Borja Iglesias, when he scores, Betis tend to win and they've won 19 of the last 20 games in which he scored. Obviously, last weekend they didn't because they drew, but again, happened. They, you know, he deflected uh, Sebali's goal in. And yeah, it wasn't a classic, but a 1-0 win, really important in, in, the, in the context of, of a top four race. And yeah, um, Athletic Club, it was good to see them get back on, you know, this winning trail. I mean, Guruceta, I scored, he scored five goals from his first 13 shots um, in this La Liga season. And this was his first goal in his last 21. So kind of dropped off a little bit, but he's back in the goal scoring mood. And Mikel Vesgar as well was, was on fire in this game as well. So yeah, really interesting. I mean, Valladolid slightly flat. I mean, Pacheta, you know, at uh, Jose Soria, Valladolid have looked great this season but they did just feel a bit weren't really very competitive in this game and yeah they're relying heavily on Kyle Larin who has scored five goals in about 500 minutes since he's been there and probably most of their goals since he has been there as well so I think five out of seven so 
they need to use this international rate to regroup and they don't want to be sucked into that relegation battle. One team who are not struggling for goals are Girona, who who went away to Rayo Vallecano in the kind of last game uh, of the weekend. I was at Vallecas and uh, it was a terrific game, it has to be said. Uh, 2-2 between them. Isi Palazón scored an absolute screamer, which I was right behind. It was like an arrow before Oscar Trejo fired in. And then the moment of the weekend, I don't know if you want to explain it, and then I can tell you what it was like from the stadium, Tom. Yeah, it's. I've been telling everyone it's a kind of Pires Henri uh, penalty, but that doesn't really do it justice because it actually went right. Oscar Torrejo laid it off to Izzy Palazón, and, and then he missed. It was incredible. <laughs> and that's what added to the the drama of it all is that Oscar Torrejo actually had a penalty before he had it saved. And then, you know, he got to retake it because of encroachment and then they missed again. And then obviously we ended up not winning the game. So it was an amazing moment. I can imagine what it was like to be in the stadium. It was a bizarre moment of disbelief. I've never seen anything like it at a football match live before. And, and rarely does it happen that somebody tries that with a penalty. I mean, Luis Suarez and, and Messi did actually manage it successfully. But even then, I think if you remember the story was it was meant for Neymar and Luis Suarez just kind of ran in and, and scored it anyway. So. I think you have to be confident. I think Miguel Quintana was having a good debate on, on Twitter online about whether this was kind of like the audacity of it was to be applauded or whether it was to be kind of, uh, yeah, shot down because it obviously went wrong and eventually ended up costing them two points, to be perfectly honest. Um, the the one small thing I want to highlight from this, uh, you spoke about him when he joined, Victor Sagankov is a hell of a player. He's really, really very good. I mean, he scored two goals um, against Rayo and the first one is, is kind of a tap and he follows in, but the second one, just so cool on the volley, sweeps at home and then everything else just kind of came through him. And you look at the two stars that have both been recruited by these two teams in Rayo and, and Raul de Tomas, who came on in the second half, and then Viktor Sigankov, who, who started the game for Girona. I don't... As far as I'm aware, Sigankov doesn't speak a lot of Spanish, but everyone seems to be in tune with him. They know exactly what he's going to do. They start moving when he gets the ball. Whereas Raúl de Tomás, it's kind of like everything just kind of gets dense and viscous when he's on the ball because he doesn't run as much as Camello, and then he doesn't kind of make the same moves. When he does get the ball, he tends to be a little bit greedier with it than certainly the likes of Camello would be. So uh, one to keep an eye on there for Rayo, who did break their scoring duck of three games, but they are four without a win now, and uh, perhaps looking to avoid a drop-off. But with that, we shall wrap up the podcast. Uh, thank you very much for your company, Tom. I'll get you to sign off with just uh, a moment of the week. Is there anything that stood out for you, whether that be classical-related or, or otherwise? Well, aside from that easy Palathon penalty, it's probably the easy Palathon goal, because it, it was just... <laughs> Amazing. I mean, he's no one's taken more shots from outside the area than Palathon this season. That was his 41st from outside the box. So he likes a long range effort, but that was just absolutely sensational. And the way it just arrowed into the top corner, much like Oscar Trejo's goal just a couple of minutes afterwards. It was it was a really, really nice goal. And always good to see Raya Vallecano scoring in front of that kind of Bucanero section because, you know, you get some great, great scenes from behind the stand. Yeah, easy select beyond. Is he for the national team? Was uh, ringing out around by Yekas. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. After that happened, although somewhat less so after the penalty attempt. Um, and yet, my shout out again goes to Sergio Roberto for scoring because I think he's a player that perhaps will be... He's, he never gets quite the same plays as Nacho, and I, I think Nacho is probably at a higher level than Sergio Roberto a lot of the time, but uh, he is Barcelona's Nacho in my view. The player that never quite good enough for the starting lineup, but you just kind of want him around. Uh, but on that note, with Barcelona 12 points clear and the league all but sentenced, uh, we shall sign off on another fantastic week of La Liga action. Thank you very much for that, Tom. And uh, yeah, I will leave you with the sounds of Isi Palazón. Viene Isi por el costado diestro, puede golpear Isi. Ahí está Isi, tira la diagonal. El disparo de Isi. Gol. Vaya gol. Vaya gol. Vaya gol. Gol, 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 g